Virginia. William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook. Hi, this is Lindsay, one of the co-hosts of Beauties and Headcanons. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. Welcome back to another episode of Caught Listening here on Public House Media. Christian and I am with you as always. You can find the show wherever you get your podcast on Spreaker.com, Stitcher.com, Apple and Google Play, of course the iHeartRadio app, and you can find us on publichousemedia.org. Subscribe, rate, review, share us with your friends and family, and don't forget to follow us on social media wherever you can. Uh, just search Caught Listening by Public House Media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also get in contact with the show by emailing us Caught listening, PHM at gmail.com. Continuing in to our MLB 2020 season preview, division by division breakdown, we head into the AL Central here this week. And to help us break it down, Minnesota Twins writer for Zone Coverage Minnesota. He is Brandon Warren. Brandon, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, no problem. Glad to do it. And uh, let's let's start with the Twins, uh, a team that many predict to repeat and, and to, to win the AL Central here this year. When you look at them uh, and this team, as talented as they are, of course, adding Josh Donaldson, the, the one of the biggest offseason acquisitions, my biggest question when I saw that was, did they really need him considering the pop that they had last year as a team? Of course, all the home runs they hit, but what does Josh Donaldson bring to this Twins organization? I think it's as much about offense and all that as it is leadership and a mentality to win at pretty much any cost. And I think Donaldson just brings that edge that maybe they didn't have before. You know, Mm -hmm. Joe Maurer was kind of the leader of this team over the last decade plus, and he was more a lead by example, but it was not that edge that you see Donaldson if you watch YouTube videos or clips of him and how he kind of goes about his business. And it does to help the infield defense that was obviously not very good last year. Luis Arise, Jorge Polanco, and Miguel Sano all graded out poorly in StatCast outs above average measures. And so moving Sano over to first, still not sure how that's going to go. But Donaldson, I think, was one of the 15 best infield defenders in baseball last year by that measure. And so, yeah, he's going to pop some homers. He's going to take some walks, but he's going to play really good defense. And he's going to be a pillar of a clubhouse where – there are a lot of young hitters, right-handed hitters coming up in the organization that are going to look to him for some level of leadership, whether it's Mitch Garver, Ryan Jeffers, Brent Rooker, a few different guys who could stand to gain a lot by following his mentality when it comes to hitting because he is a student of hitting. So there's a lot to be gained here. And yeah, they wanted to go get pitching, but it didn't really end up happening. It wasn't in the cards for them to land a Zach Wheeler, a Hyunjin Ryu, or anything like that. But they pivoted. They got their hitter. They traded for Kenta Maeda, and they signed Mm -hmm. a couple interesting pitchers who maybe aren't ace types, but can certainly get it done. So, yeah, they may still need that ace type, but that's going to be more of a trade deadline thing than it is this offseason. 
And that's kind of the interesting thing too. We'll we'll talk about you know the breakdown and where things shake up. But but this is a Twins team in a division that you feel as though you have still some time maybe to find that missing piece because of the division that you're in. Is that kind of the sense that you're getting? Where you know maybe you didn't get that pitcher in free agency, you didn't make that big name trade, but you might have a couple of months here before you really got to pull the trigger on something. Yeah, everything should come into focus by mid-season, whether it's the All-Star break, trade deadline, or anywhere near there. And the Twins have the prospect capital to make something happen. Mm -hmm. Their top four or five prospects are almost as good as anyone's. I think MLB Pipeline had them the number seven farm system in the game. Keith Law was a little bit more down. I think he had them 15th. But a lot of their prospect depth is near the top, like Mm -hmm. in terms of MLB-ready, Alex Kirilov, Trevor Larnick, and... Royce Lewis on the position player side, Johan Duran, Jordan Balazovich on the pitching side, even Bruce Gradwell, who was traded in the deal for Maeda, was in that mix as well. So that's going to be valued maybe a little more obviously for teams that have pitchers available in July. So maybe like a Colorado with John Gray or hmm. maybe even Arizona if they trade Robbie Ray because their young pitchers step up a little bit. There's going to be options. Is it going to be Matt Boyd for Detroit? Who knows? But Everything will come into more focus and will allow the Twins to see, you know, if Rich Hill is healthy. That kind of right. takes away some of that need for going out and getting another starter. Is Kenta Maeda pitching like a number two? Is is Jose Barrios taking that next step to ace caliber status? And if those things happen, then maybe you just let it ride. But there's a lot of things that can change between now and late July, that's for sure. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about this organization is, is you know you sometimes you generally have a mix of the veteran guys. You have a, uh, all over the place. You have a mix of younger players in there every now and again, and a couple of role players. But it's so funny. I don't know if I've seen an organization where you know across the board, you know, you look at some of these guys, and there's there's a lot of youth on this team. Kepler, Rosario, Polanco, all in their mid twenties. Buxton as well. Um, and then you get into that pitching staff. And you've got guys that are still on the right side of 30. I mean, even Odorizzi, who's closing in on that. But when you add in the bullpen, Duffy, Romo, Clipper, Rogers, I mean, there's a lot of youth in this organization throughout and a lot of guys who maybe don't have a lot of mileage on them that certainly lend itself to being a perennial contender in those playoff spots. Yeah, and I think their offseason kind of dovetails from that where Mm-hmm. Last year, Cody Stachak threw big innings at Yankee Stadium in the playoffs. And you're not really wanting a guy to dive into the deep end of the pool in Yankee Stadium for his right. first playoff appearance. And so, off se- I mean, in general, the free agency market is going to be littered with 30-somethings just because you got your six years of service right. before you dip into a free agency eligible. But it was very clear the type of player the Twins targeted was a player who has playoff experience or in some instances guys who've closed before and Tyler Clippert and obviously bringing Romo back 30 something pitchers and Homer Bailey and Rich Hill mm-hmm. bringing back Oda Rizzi who will be 30 when he makes his season debut in Oakland and even Michael Pineda just was at such a price point that even with the suspension it just makes a lot of sense but they very clearly prioritize getting guys with a little more experience Alex Avila too terrific yeah. clubhouse guy and has been in some of those battles so I think it was pretty clear that they wanted to supplement that young core with mentally capable veterans. And that's not to say young players aren't mentally capable, just that when you go into that battle for the first time, you just need to know what to expect. And I think the Twins were very, very measured in how they approached the offseason, and it showed.
It, it certainly did, and we're talking with Brandon Warren here uh, of Zone Coverage Minnesota, talking about the Minnesota Twins in the American League Central here in 2020. There were two teams in this division that were very active uh, in the offseason, one in terms of acquiring a lot of talent in the Chicago White Sox, one's in terms of maybe allowing some of those talents to leave and still discussions about some of their talent leaving, that being the Cleveland Indians. Let's let's focus in on the tribe here real quick because this is a team that two, three years ago had the greatest rotation probably since I don't, I don't know Mulder, Zito, and and those guys in Oakland. Or you know, take your pick. It's been it's been a while since you've had the domination that Cleveland did, and now they're putting a lot of that on on Carrasco and Bieber and Clevenger as a number one. What do you make of the Indians heading into two thousand twenty? Yeah, I think the tweet where it said they were going to have Bieber start on opening day when he was their number five starter a year or two ago said a lot more about the organization than they kind of hoped for. Yeah, sure, Bieber is a very, very legitimate Cy Young caliber starter, but Clevenger's hurt. Carrasco may not be healthy. Kluber's been traded. Bauer's been traded. There's a, there's a lot of factors in play that maybe were ignored when making making that statement. Now, obviously, Bieber's really good. Don't know when Clevenger's going to be back, and Carrasco has been an incredible inspiration, but now he's he's battling elbow stuff again, and it's just it feels like there's one more step in the wrong direction, and and they're going to gut it. You know, is if they get off to a slow start, the, the rumors are only going to get louder that Francisco Lindor should be traded, and obviously they've broken off contract negotiations, and it didn't sound like they even got very close to it. So. When I look at Cleveland, I look at a team that, at its best, can contend for this division. I don't think of the Twins as running away with it necessarily, but I think that you look at them in Chicago as kind of neck and neck, and if Cleveland is going to win, it's going to be on the strength of pitching. If Chicago wins, it's going to be a little more balanced, but I don't really worry about Cleveland's offense that much. Obviously, Jose Ramirez getting back up to speed with, with Carlos Santana, and Lindor gives them a pretty good offense. They've made a, a couple minor moves. Obviously, Fran Mil Reyes and Cesar Hernandez should help that offense a little bit. But I, I just look at Cleveland. I think it's a window that's perhaps closed, if not closing very quickly. And the health of two of their top three pitchers is going to dictate a lot about not only how they start, but how they finish this season. Is it something that, you know, from an outside looking in, and and obviously you, know, you covering the Twins, but you're in that division and you see the Indians quite a bit, is it something that should be concerning for a guy like Terry Francona when you have, you were in the World Series four years ago, you were a couple of strikes away from a championship, your second one with a different team, and now, yes, a lot of this is coming from the front office, but you're a team that's going to scuffle to compete for a division that you routinely was pretty strong with. Yeah, and it's not exactly the American League East where it's right. a really <laughs> difficult division where you have to spend, in theory, 150, 180, 200 million to compete unless you're the Rays constantly innovating. And mm-hmm. Cleveland isn't spending. And, I mean, they're, I think they're innovating on the pitching side of things a bit. I mean, there's a reason why guys like Plesak and Aaron Savali show up kind of out of thin air and they just deal. And I mean, Bieber right. and even Kluber before him were not guys who were as highly regarded as they became in terms of pitching. I think Clevenger fits that bill too. So anytime you see a Cleveland pitcher come up through the system and make the big leagues, you're kind of wondering what they're capable of. But when they're not spending money, you can only go so far with just starting pitching. 
And if you can't score runs, yeah, you can prevent them, but you still can't win too many games 2-1, 3-2 if your offense isn't even putting that up. So I just I, I see Cleveland as not really with their foot all the way in to spend mm-hmm. or to innovate or to do anything that's really going to make them anything more than a team that can pop up for two, three years at a time but not sustain five to seven years of dominance or even contention, which even the Twins did back in the Metrodome days. I mean, right. certainly the rest of the division was a little bit lean, but there was a stretch where the Twins and Indians were battling in early parts of Joe Maurer's career. Uh, not not wrong uh, there. But before we get to the other the, the big spenders, the big acquirers in the offseason in, in the White Sox, I want to talk briefly about Detroit and about Kansas City because depending on who you look at, these are two teams that are 20 to 30 games below 500 and really not expected to compete. But some of the moves that were made in the offseason and some of the decisions that potentially could get made, what will it take for these two organizations that, again, you know, four or five years, this was a really competitive division, and they were two of the teams that were really competing in that division. What will it take, and, and what are some things that maybe fans should look for for bright signs and bright lights for, for the, the coming years in Kansas City and Detroit? Yeah, I mean, Detroit's kind of waiting out some pretty ugly contracts in Zimmerman and Cabrera, and both teams have prospects, and everybody knows that those are a lot of fun. You can be on baseball prospectus, baseball America's prospect lists, but that doesn't always translate to wins in the near-term future. Kansas City doesn't even need to look that far back. Ten years ago, they had the Baby Royals with Mike Moustakas and Eric Hosmer, and they went and got Lorenzo Cain and the Zach Greinke deal, and it took a long time for those guys to get their footing, as evidenced by the fact that they won the pennant two years in a row, and then those guys were already up for free agency. And that's kind of the peril of rebuilding on the cheap, is if you stay out of free agency and you're not supplementing those guys with, like the Twins have with Nelson Cruz and Josh Donaldson, mm-hmm. you know you can get you can get in a rut where it's really hard to produce enough big league caliber players to field a strong team for a long stretch. And that was the Twins from 2011 until, I mean 2014, and right. again a couple years in the meantime. You get into those ethers where you just have no way of getting enough minor league players to come up and help you. And if you bring those players up into non-winning environments, there's certainly questions about how that you know, manifests in development for players. Obviously, Aaron Hicks struggled in his first part of his career with the Twins, and there's questions of, yeah, coming up and, and not having mental, mentally capable veterans around him or maybe not having the kind of leadership he required on a winning ball club could have been a part of that. And so mm-hmm. it's uh, it certainly exciting if you're a Royals fan to see Bobby Witt Jr. and all these other youngsters in the farm system and for the Tigers you've got Mize and Tariq Skubal and a a few others and I still like Daz Cameron but it gets really difficult to fill in the blanks with decent to good veterans when you're just stuck in that purgatory of losing all the time and so that's why too to me rebuilding is so perilous is that you really dive into the depths that can be hard to come out of. And if you can't promise fans a semi-near-term future, why should they come out? Yeah. And we saw that with the Twins in a new stadium at Target Field. It was pretty empty there for quite a while, and it took a significant effort to turn things around. But they also went through those stretches where they didn't bring in any free agents, and it the product suffered, the fan base suffered, suffered, and they're still fighting to get that season ticket base back. So anytime you rebuild, you're taking a lot of things in 
consideration that could really, really set your franchise back. And so that's why you, you really, really, really have to sell hope if you're those two teams. He's Brandon Warren, Minnesota Twins writer for Zones Coverage Minnesota. Uh, talking to your American League Central. Let's get to the White Sox uh, who take your – I mean, it's clear that they were buyers and, and they're trying to drastically improve here in 2020. Keuchel, Gonzalez, Grandal, Mazzara, Ciszek, a number of uh, – Edwin Encarnacion, number of new guys coming in to this team, which one of the acquisitions do you think is going to be the most impactful for the Chicago White Sox? For me, it's Yasmani Grandal. And I think they should still sign Yaziel Puig, by the way. But for <laughs> me, it's Grandal because a really good catcher is the foundation by which mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams are built. When you start talking about how good a team is, you start up the middle. Catchers that can defend like him in terms of framing, in terms of all that, I think they rise, this, uh, they, they lift the sea level of their pitchers. You know, you got a guy who can frame, he can steal some strikes for you. As a young pitcher, that's invaluable if you're a Michael Kopech or a Dane Dunning or any of these young kids coming up, or even Reynaldo Lopez, who's been around the block yeah. but still has big time stuff and shaky results. If you bring in a Grand All and he makes Reynaldo Lopez the second coming of Lucas Giolito in terms of, you know, finding himself in the big leagues, right. that's an exponential value play right there. And I think they've got guys, I think Edwin Arcanacion could be their Nelson Cruz. I'm not completely out on Nomar Missouri yet, and, and Dallas Keuchel is certainly interesting. But for me, it begins and ends with Grandal, and that's a guy I wanted the Twins to sign a year ago. And they looked into it. He went with Milwaukee. They went with Garver. And I think everybody's happy with the decisions they made. But anytime you can get a catcher like that, I look at Russell Martin when he signed with the Blue Jays too. It, yeah. that, those are some really good teams he played on. You you need a catcher. You need a sturdy catcher behind the plate. And if they can hit, great. But a guy that can be that kind of quarterback of your uh, of your defense and your pitching staff is, is huge. And I think that Grandal is going to be exactly that for the White Sox. He's Brandon Warren joining us here on Caught Listening. Every week we play a little game with our listeners allow you to submit questions about the topic coming up. It's called Pepper. It's like the old game. Uh, Brandon, they... We read out their questions. You and I just kind of hit it back and forth, little quick hitters here. You ready? Yep. All right, awesome. So here we go. First one coming in from uh, Eric in Michigan. Uh, so I guess we're going we're gonna to talk Tigers here. Um, what is the biggest need for the Detroit Tigers, and is there any chance that they're able to acquire that in 2020? I think they continue to add prospects to their stable by trading Matt Boyd and got to get Michael Fulmer healthy you can figure out something with him but again restock the cupboard and sell off big league assets yeah i don't disagree i think that's kind of the biggest thing for for this team when you start to look at it you go maybe the houston astros route from a couple of years ago and start stockpiling those young guys you have control over for mm-hmm. for a number of years uh as well all right let's see here uh crystal in minnesota uh twins obviously with their talent any chance they can break their own home run record from 2019 I don't think so. I think it's such a such a huge mountain to climb, and we still don't know what the baseball is going to be like. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of obstacles in the way of of repeating how great they were last year. I know they added Josh Donaldson, but I mean, is Mitch Garver going to hit thirty some homers again? I'm right. I'm skeptical. <laughs> 
I'm going to, just because it's fun and, and I think it, you know, who knows, again, who knows what the baseball is going to be this year. I think it happens. I think when you add Josh Donaldson, your home run numbers have to go up. I know, you know, they didn't, yep. you know, Mitch Garver, you're right. He, who knows if you're going to hit that? Who knows if Nelly Cruz is going to continue to be what Nelly Cruz has always been. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, anytime you add Josh Donaldson, why not increase all of that? All right. Uh, last one here, Ray, uh, in Ohio, Francisco Lindor more likely to be traded by the end of May or a trade deadline deal? I think deadline. I don't think Cleveland is going to sputter quite as badly as it seems like they might if they've got two of their top three guys out. But I still think they may go to the well one more time for an extension and and be rebuffed. He said he doesn't want to talk in Mm -hmm. season, and I think he's going to stick to that. And I think it's going to become increasingly clear that they need to flip him perhaps to the Dodgers, who somehow want to improve on perfection <laughs> talent-wise. But I think he's not Cle- not a Cleveland Indian come August 1st. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. He's definitely not an Indian come August 1st. But I, I think a lot of this, too, depends on you know injuries you might see. And, and I'll tell you what I'm, I'm intrigued by, and I hate saying this, I, you know, at all um, – you know, being being as completely transparent as possible. Growing up, a, a Boston Red Sox fan, I hate when I see this, but if things continue to go downward in the New York Yankees organization, I know they need pitching more than anything, but I can easily see them calling up the Indians and trying to pick up Francisco Lindor based on, I mean, who knows what goes on with any other injuries and things like that. That's just a team that just, for whatever reason, I know the Dodgers are becoming that and trying to stockpile talent, but I could easily see you know, Cashman calling up Cleveland and trying to get something done out of there, but who knows? But yeah, especially <laughs> especially if they don't think Gliber's a long term yeah fixture at short, then that makes a ton of sense. Hundred hundred percent there. So he's Brandon Warren, Minnesota Twins writer for uh, excuse me Zone Coverage Minnesota. Brandon, if you could, we really appreciate your time, but uh, let the folks know how they can follow you throughout the 2020 season and and, and beyond. Yeah, so obviously zonecoverage.com under the Twins tab. You'll find my podcast, Midwest Swing, and all my twins work. Or follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. Brandon, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much, and uh, enjoy the season. Thank you. You too. All right, Brandon Warren of Zone Coverage Minnesota. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. Central, it's it's the twins division to lose, in my opinion, and they're not going to get a wild card team, as we've talked about that. Uh, the Rays will most likely take it, and um, or the Red Sox, whoever finishes second in the American League East. Maybe all three teams in the American League East. Who knows uh, what happens there? But the Athletics, the Angels, the Astros, the AL West, the Central's not getting two teams. But we'll see uh, how this all shakes out. That's it for the American League. we got one more division to do. It's the National League West. So let us know what you, questions you have by searching for Caught Listening PHM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share us with your friends and family wherever you get your podcasts on Apple and Google Podcasts, and of course, iHeartRadio.com. Don't forget to head over to publichousemedia.org and get your awesome caught listening gear. Until then, I'm Christian Heimel, and you have been caught listening. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat>
Bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The hour and a foul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Le migliori firme con sconti fino al 70% direttamente a casa tua? Ora si può. Con il servizio shopping da casa di MacArthur Glen la Regia Designer Outlet. Puoi acquistare le collezioni primavera-estate comodamente dal tuo divano. Vai su laregiadesigneroutlet.it. Contatta il tuo brand preferito e completa l'acquisto online. Le firme che ami, mai così vicine a te.